You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today, we have a special guest missionary with us. Let's prepare our hearts as our guest missionary brings forth God's truths from His Word today. Thank you for the fellowship. When our brother got up to sing that song, I know I'm old, so I like to tell stories, but I was preaching in Florida, Florida, large conference, and... uh, young Filipino woman who had married an American soldier because her dream was to get out of the Philippines and that's what she wanted more than anything else she had married this American soldier come to America but her husband got a burden to go back as a missionary to the Philippines and um, that was an extreme struggle for her because her greatest goal was to get out of the Philippines. <clears throat> but she finally, I'm sorry I'm getting old, I can't think of her, their name, it's running through my mind, but uh, I can see her. But she, uh, she got up to speak, or to sing, and first she gave a testimony and she said, when my husband brought me to America, it was the answer to my dream. I didn't ever wanted to go back to the Philippines. When he surrendered to go back to the Philippines, I said, God, what are you doing to my life? And she said, I finally had to surrender and say, Lord, I'll go. And she began to sing. To be honest, most island people are tremendous singers. She didn't get that DNA. Uh, But the heart was there. And she began to sing that song, brother. My house is full, but my fields are empty. About that time, there was a young Filipino boy in the Bible college there in Florida, was sitting off to the side, there was a student there. There were probably two, 3,000 people in the auditorium. He walked up while she was singing and basically threw himself on the altar. Because I know what was going through, I think I know what was going through, he didn't want to go back to the Philippines either. And he threw himself on the altar before long, another one came. Nobody preached that night. God did. The service went on for probably three hours of singing and just letting God work. I think, I'm going to guess 50-some people were saved. They ended up baptizing and doing a whole lot. Nobody ever preached a sermon, but God did that night. And uh, the songs of the saints can speak to our heart greater than anything else in the world. Uh, I reminded of a preacher I know out in California that went to a seminary. He was invited to a very liberal seminary to speak one time. And he said, I'll do it. And he got up there and said, open your Bibles. And none of the seminarians had their Bibles with them. And he looked around. None of them opened a Bible. He said, okay, open your hymn book. And he started to preach the great doctrines of the faith through the hymns that we have and shared the doctrines from there. But... um, Good song, brother. That one, uh, hadn't heard it in a while. I mentioned this morning, this is Faith Promise, and how much we give this week. We're actually paying the light bill to send the light of the gospel around the world. What happens in this room in this next week will set the budget for world evangelism around the world. And uh, this is not a light decision, it's not a, just a passing fancy. It's something we need to take seriously. 
And how much you give will be dependent upon, I've written down many things, but four things I wrote down. Number one, your willingness to be led by the Holy Spirit of God. I do not believe that we get new revelation from the Bible anymore, okay? God's word is finished, it's done, we've got the finished word of God. But I do believe that the Holy Spirit of God, using his word, can impress on our hearts truths to teach us things and things to do in our life. So are we listening to the Holy Spirit of God? Number two, our realization of the need that is out there. As I sit in, when I was a pastor, every missionary that came, I'll be honest with you, I surrendered to go. I was ready. But it wasn't God's time right then. But they'd go and I'd see those little kids. And I sat and watched that of the Bahamas. Schools aren't much different, are they? Anywhere in the world. Most everybody else in the world wears uniforms. Americans don't. But they have little uniforms. They line up outside by their classes. And it just breaks my heart. There's need everywhere you go. Uh, you can literally take a dart and throw it at the map and I do not believe you'll miss a place that doesn't have a need. It, it has needs. You can find them if you'll go there. Realize the need. Number three, your interest in the church's program. Coming together as a local body to make an impact for God in the world. And that's what Faith Promise does. That's this church combining together. There's a movement in America today to rebel against being a member of a church, being a part of a thing. I remember I was preaching one time and I had a guy, a nice guy. He just refused to join the church. He said, well, can I sing in the choir? I said, no. He said, well, can I do this? I said, no, you join the church, you can be a part of it. I told him he could give, but anyway, uh, I, uh, you know, it didn't bother me in the least. The devil's had that money long enough. And God can have it for a while now. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. But anyway, I, uh, I, uh, he kept doing it, and then finally, I, 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 I looked to him, and I said, are you a member of the Sam's Club or Costco? He said, yeah. I said, why'd you join them? Well, for the benefits. Hello! <laughs> Welcome to the church, and you don't have to pay a yearly fee. All you got to do is come and join, the pastor calleth, come and join, amen? But if, as you're interested in, in what this church, that this church would impact the world. It was said of England, there was a day, the sun never set on the, on, on the, 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 the nations that were colonized by the English. Oh, may it be a day said that the sun never sets on the ministry of Fellowship Baptist Church around the world. Oh, I mean, most kids now, though, they know the song, it's five o'clock somewhere. But you know, the sun's rising somewhere in the world. And I hope and pray you've got some missionary in that area doing something for God. Number four, equal sacrifice, not necessarily equal gifts. We don't all make the same amount of money. Every one of us is different. But we should all have equal sacrifice. And can, I'm going to say this with conviction but compassion. We in America know very little of sacrifice. If I can say that kindly, I raise my hand. I have not sacrificed near enough of what God's asked me to be and do in my life. But uh, equal sacrifice. Dig down. And God will bless you for it. If you have your Bibles tonight, turn to Acts chapter 8, please. For some reason, I got a tick. I know you're not. 
I try not to tell jokes. Um, because I've often wondered why in the world the preacher will set the music up, have the special music, and the first thing he does is get up and tell a joke. Uh, you know, and that, I'm going, that didn't fit. We're all, you know, what I was thinking today, I went out and looked at all the, the uh, posters that the children have made out there. I thank God for them. To think what they think of the world and so forth. And by the way, if you're interested in mission trips, uh, go to www.bimi.org and look up what we call Connect. We have Connect trips all over the world this next year, from Thailand to Japan to Mongolia, where we have, we have our directors, they organize groups to go, and they keep the cost as low as possible. You'll be there 10, 12 days, 14 days, maybe. It, it varies the different trip. You can go on the website from Spain to England uh, to Russia, different places. It's called Connect Trips, uh, if you're at all interested in that. And then let me challenge you, we also have a thing called Camp Bimmy. It's, uh, it's a training ground, a camp for young people or older who are seriously interested in missionary mission work. To come down, we, we take a week and do nothing but impact you of what it's really like to be a missionary. And it's taught by those who are experienced. I, I always call a mission board called the ABCs of a mission board. A, accountability, B, belief system, and C, counsel. Why reinvent the wheel? There's folks that have been doing it for 55, 60 years and so forth. They can teach us a lot about those things. But I just challenge you, go to the website. I'm not as techie as I'd like to be. I wish I was more techie sometimes, but I'm glad I'm not, too. I'll leave that to Ben. Amen. I looked out there this morning, and it said that I was the keynote speaker, and I was really excited about that. Then I realized it wasn't me. It said it was Alan Brook and not Alan Brooks. But anyway... <laughs> But uh, uh, I was thinking of all the little children, three little boy, three little kids were going to school one day, and uh, uh, they were all supposed to bring something from their religion to school to represent. A little Jewish boy brought a little yakima to represent Judaism, and a little Catholic one brought a crucifix, and a little Baptist boy brought a casserole dish. But anyway, <laughs> I, I thought of that this morning. I may change that. He brought a pie. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Acts chapter number 8 look with me please again uh, there's nothing new under the sun I, I kind of feel like Dr. Tom Malone years ago I heard him preach he talked like that you know preach like that and I, he got up and he said he always read a lot of scripture and I asked him one time why he said because if he ran out of stuff to say there he always had more he'd already read but uh, he said I got, a, I got an outline tonight he said, I don't really know where I got it. He said, I might have got it from God. Might have got it from one of those little nickel books you get on outlines. He said, I got it. might have got it from one of you preachers. He said, but it's in my Bible, so it's mine. But, uh, and that's kind of the way I feel. What I'm about to preach, I'm sure all these preachers have preached on it before too. At one time or another. And there's really nothing new under the sun. The only thing original by me is sin. Okay, uh, everything I am, I am by the grace of God and by what people have invested in my life to be what I hope God wants me to be. In Acts chapter 8, look at verse 26. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip. Now we got to figure out who Philip is first. 
Philip was one of the early deacons, if you'll remember, in the Bible. Remember, there was a period of time when the widows were being neglected, and so the apostles were having to do a whole lot of work, and so they called out men, and they set them up as deacons, servants, to, to, to take care of feeding the widows, and he was an early deacon in the church. Now, it's interesting, by the time we get to chapter number 8, he's an evangelist. He was faithful in what God gave him to do, and God gave him more to do. If you're faithful in the little things, he'll help you to be, do more for him as you're faithful to those things. He started out as a deacon, eventually became an evangelist, and actually it impressed his whole family that some of them were very evangelistic in their life later on also. But in the early part of chapter number 8, he's preaching a revival in Samaria. Now, if you'll remember again, Samaria was that area that Jews didn't like to go to. But he's preaching revival, lots of people being saved. A great multitude of folks were being saved. God was doing a tremendous work. And in the midst of it, God said, The angel of the Lord, verse 36, spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down unto Jerusalem, unto Gaza, which is desert. God interrupted the revival meeting to send him down to a desert place. It would be as if pastor came next week and got up to preach and the crowd was so full. People kept coming every week. He kept getting bigger. The men of the church got together and said, Preacher, we've got to have a bigger building. We build a bigger building. Preacher, we've got to have two or three services. Folks are coming. And as in Spurgeon's day, we have to ask the members to stay home and let the lost come. And in the top of the height of it, he says, By the way, God's called me to leave. Now, we would all look at him and say, What? God's using you here. What do you do? No, you've got to obey God, though. Philip... He said, go down to Gaza, which is desert. And notice verse 27, he arose and went. And now it says, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem for to worship. If you're an outliner, you can put down the word a man. And this is a man, this Ethiopian eunuch. This is a man that was no longer how he was born. He had been made a slave and a servant for Candace, but he had used his authority, become very faithful. He was in charge of all her treasury. And sometime in the midst of that, somewhere, somehow, he had heard a message that there was a God in Jerusalem that could fill that emptiness in his heart and life, and he needed to get to Jerusalem. So he took a leave of absence. Candace obviously respected him, gave him that sabbatical. So he left and he went to Jerusalem. The Bible says for to worship. But now verse 28 was returning. And sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet. Please, a light running over this. You need to understand Jewish people didn't hand out scriptures like these brothers are doing. The Jewish people didn't give out the Pentateuch. They didn't stand on the street corner and give out the Pentateuch. Jewish people did not want Gentiles to touch the Bible. To them, they would defile the Bible. They dead sure weren't going to let an Ethiopian have a part of the Bible. And they definitely were not going to let a eunuch, because that would defile the Word of God, they said. They were keepers of those. So God had to work a miracle to get the Bible into this man's hands. 
There was no Lifeway bookstores. There was no Christian bookstores. There wasn't Amazon online. Somehow, someway, God put into his hand the scripture. Now listen to me, please. God spoke my heart years ago. Said, Alan, you cannot have a harvest if you don't sow seed. Part of the problem in America, there was a day when the word of God, America's never been a, a majority of Christian people in our country. But the seed of the word of God was planted into the hearts of many of the denominations and many of the people in this country. But the word of God has been kicked out of our schools and sadly kicked out of most of churches anymore. There are now it's more of a social club. So we cannot have a harvest because there's not the foundation of the seed that's in the life of the people. And the most fertile soil in the world stays barren without the seed of the word of God. God has put in my heart a prayer that God helped me to have a leaky seed basket. Help me to have a leaky seed basket to give the word of God into the hearts and lives. So here's this man and, and, and God, and by the way, God says, if you'll get my word out, I'll get it into the right hands. I'll get it into the people that will respond to it. There's people out there that do want to know it. There's people that are hungry for those things. So he was returning, sitting in the chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. And then the spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And notice verse 30, and Philip ran thither to him. Please understand this. I believe in lifestyle evangelism. But your lips are part of your life. God didn't intend you to stand out in your front yard and mow the lawn and say, well, everybody's going to see I'm a Christian because I keep my lawn looking nice. They're not going to know you're a Christian because you mow your lawn. Lost people mow their lawn. They're not going to know you're a Christian just because you try to pay your bills. There's lost people pay their bills. Amen. They're going to know you're a Christian because you not only pay your bills, mow your lawn, but you tell them about Jesus. You know, part of your life is your lips. This excuse, well, I'm just going to kind of, what if Philip had said on the side of the road, well, there goes the eunuch, I'm going to live it. I'm living it. No, no, no. He had to run. There had to be effort in what he did. God never said the cross would not be heavy. He never said the hill would be easy to climb. You can't have a victory if you're not willing to fight. And so, here he ran thither and he heard him read the prophet Isaiah and he said understandest thou what thou readest I love that approach don't you you say hey you're going to hell no he simply said do you understand what you're reading what do you what, what, what do you think the prophet's saying there you got a clue Questions are some of the greatest things. Well, one of the worst things in evangelism is to never let the people talk. Just say five things and power your head and pray. That's not evangelism. It's, it's asking, do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what God says here? And what he's trying to lay out here? And he said, how can I accept, and if you're keeping an outline, some man. First we said a man. Now we see some man should guide me. The a man was the eunuch that's lost. He said, I need some man should guide me. And that's Philip. 
And he's hired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. And the place of the scriptures he read was this. He was uh, led as a sheep to the slaughter and like a lamb dumb before his shear so opened he not his mouth and his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. And who shall declare his generation for his life is taken from the earth. He was reading Isaiah 53, 7 and 8. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this? Of himself, and here's your outline again, or of some other man. So we have a man, the eunuch, we have some man, Philip, and we have some other man. And the Bible tells us who that is. Verse 35, and then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Don't let anybody ever tell you Jesus isn't in the Old Testament, amen? Uh, he's all through, the, here's a gold, there's a scarlet thread from Genesis chapter one all to Revelation chapter 22, talking about Jesus. He's not just a New Testament, he's Old Testament also, amen? And, and he preached unto him Jesus, and they came, and as, as they went on their way, they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Now that tells me something. Philip gave him the whole counsel of God's word. He didn't just say three points poem and a sad story. He talked to him about what scripture said. He talked to him about the need of salvation. He said, now, if you're really saved, you will follow the Lord and believers baptism. You will go the next step in your life. Now, baptism doesn't save you. I got this ring right here. This ring was my grandfather's wedding ring. Uh, he was a pastor and when he, my grandmother died, he gave this to me and said, whoever you marry, if you'd like to, you can use it. I, I gave it to my future bride and she put it on my finger when we got married. So this, this ring is very special to me. Not only was it my grandfather's ring, but my bride, my bride put this on my, my ring. We've been married 40 years, just about got used to each other now, but 40 years and, uh, uh, she always teases me because when I travel like this, uh, I'm so glad I live in the dispensation of FaceTime because we sit and talk. And uh, 11.30 last night, she wrote because something was up and she said, by the way, you didn't show me where you're staying tonight. So at 11.30 last night with the power off, I flicked on as much lights as I could and I walked around the room saying, here's the room. And I said, don't worry, sweetheart, the TV doesn't work. I'm not up here watching TV, amen? Because uh, we, we don't have any power anyway. But uh, uh, we commit, she says, you talk to me more when you're gone than we're at home. And I said, well, because I can say, oh, little sweetheart, the phone's messing up. No, I, no, I don't do that. <laughs> but uh, uh, now I can't remember why I was telling that story. <laughs> but uh, uh, I am, I honestly forgot why I was telling that. What was I talking about? <laughs> anyway, we've been married 40 years now, and I'm going to get it in a minute. The ring, thank you. I told you this would happen. I said it this morning, it would happen, amen? But this ring doesn't make me married, does it? But it tells all you ladies I'm taken, okay? I'm already been taken, don't, don't worry about it. I'm, I'm happy with my wife, amen? Uh, how many little girls put a ring on their finger when before they were married and acted like they were married sometimes, huh? Baptism doesn't save you. It simply tells folks that you are saved. This ring doesn't make me married. You can wear rings all over yourself, but that doesn't make you married. The commitment and covenant I made with my wife before God in, the, in the, my church 
makes me married. And the same way here he says, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, look at verse 37, if thou believest with all thine heart thou mayest. And he answered, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. They went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Now your pastor is obviously a very Bible scholar, has done a tremendous job teaching. I, I don't know a lot of Greek and I don't know a lot of Hebrew. But in that last verse, number 39 there, it says, and he went on his way rejoicing. The little pronoun he, in light reading, I first think that this is referring to the eunuch, that he went on his way rejoicing. Why? Because he has newfound faith in Jesus Christ. Amen. He's saved. He's going on. Then I got to read and I said, well, the pronoun doesn't exactly tell me who it refers to. I wonder if that could have referred to Philip. Because other than being saved, winning somebody to Jesus Christ is the, probably the most, second most exciting thing you can ever do this side of heaven to lead somebody else to Jesus Christ. So your pastor can straighten out the theology of this. I seem to think that verse refers to both of them. They went away rejoicing in what Jesus Christ had done for them. Now, why, did, why was God able to use Philip in this way? You see, the eternal purpose of God is to save people through Jesus Christ. God's will is to redeem men and women from every nation, tribe, tongue, people of the world. Revelation 5, 9, Revelation 7, 9, and 10. That's God's purpose. God left us here for that purpose. Now, how is your life going to impact every nation, tribe, and tongue, and people of the world? I was sharing with Brother Ben on the ride yesterday. 90% of what we call evangelical Christians never win anybody to Christ. Never. How can we call ourselves evangelical then? If 90% of us never win anybody to Jesus Christ. God wants us to be witnesses for him. Our eternal purpose is to impact not just where we live, but around the world, every nation, tribe, and tongue. How can I impact them? I can impact them through prayer. You and I have a, an opportunity to be part of what God is doing in the world on our knees. All of us can impact the world through prayer. Praying for the nations. William Carey was called to India after he had a map and he'd pull it down, get on his knees in front of that map and pray for the nations of the world. God impacted his life to go to India. How will we impact the world? How will we give to the nations? Three billion people in the world right now survive on less than $2 a day. Three billion people in the world today survive on less than $2 a day. One billion people live in absolute poverty in villages and slums of the world. Two billion people in this world we live in today have never heard of Jesus Christ. They don't even know who he is. I call them, they are pre-Pentecost. They don't even know Christ has come because of their religion, Islam, and so forth. The average American gives, now I know this church is an average, but the average American gives 2.5%
of his income to his church. Now, God wants us to be given 10% bare minimum, amen? That's the kindergarten of giving. But the average American gives 2.5% of their income to church. The average church in America gives less than 2% of their budget to missions around the world. That means if a Christian makes $100, five cents of it goes to missions. How are we ever going to impact the world if we don't learn to be liberal givers and in, 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 in impact the world through our giving? God blesses us so that we might be a blessing. Also, how will we impact the world? We can go to the nations. Look for opportunities. I had a man come to my church years ago. I never had this happen before. Never had it since. First Sunday, he, he ran a, a restaurant we had down there. I don't know if you have them up here. It's called Long John Silver's. It's a fish store, fish food store. He managed it. His name was Bobby McAlpin. My brother Bobby walked in the door. He called me. We'd met. He said, I moved here. The company's moved me here to manage this store. I want to come join your church. I, he assured me of his salvation. He walked up on Sunday morning, walked down the aisle. He handed me a piece of paper. The only thing on that paper was his name right down here. And he said, preacher, fill it in. I'm here to serve. I've never had that happen before. He was giving me a blank check saying, I want to serve God. I wonder how many of us have ever gone to God and just given him a blank check and said, God, I'm yours. Whatever you want, you fill it in. Put what you want into my life. I wonder why God used Philip. I'll give you three reasons and I'll close. Number one, I believe God used Philip because he was submissive to the call of God. In the midst of a wonderful evangelistic meeting in Samaria, God called him to go do something else. How do you respond when God brings an interruption in your life? When God stirs our nest just a little bit, Philip did not question God. Philip did not argue with God. I've always struggled with people who say, I ran from God, I didn't want to do anything for God. That always bothers me. If my little grandson, he's six years old. He's my pride and joy. I love all my grandkids. I think grandchildren are God's gift for not killing your own, amen? Oh, I really believe it with all my heart. Uh, uh, oh man, they're, they're a blessing. But my little grandson, he calls me Papa, which is what we say, that's how we refer to God in, in Papua New Guinea is Papa God. But he calls me Papa. And he'll look up at me sometimes, we have a guest room in the house and he'll come over and spend the night with Papa, you know? And uh, uh, he'll look at me, he calls it his room. It's really not, but we don't, we don't correct him. But uh, he'll say, Papa, follow me. Guess what Papa does? I follow him. Why, well, I love him. If he, and by the way, Jesus says to us, follow me. And we ought to just follow him because we love him. But he was submissive to the call of God. Let me ask you a question. Are you available to go where God directs you when he asks you to go? Or are you too tied down that you can't move? Listen to me, please. I believe with all my heart, 
One of the devil's greatest tricks he's done on Christian families is the credit card and the easy payments. And the average American is one paycheck away from bankruptcy. If they lose their job, one paycheck, their history, everything's gone. They lose it all. I believe with all my heart, if you're not paying off your credit cards every month, if you're paying those high interest, you need to, you need to have some plastic surgery. And, and, and if you can't handle it, get with your pastor. He'll get a counsel with you. Sit down, look at your budget, and ask God, God, get me out of debt. Because you know what? I've had missionaries surrender to the mission field. I've talked to them, and they say, I've got $40,000 worth of credit card debt. I said, you go get it paid off. Then you'll come talk to me about missions. Don't expect churches to pay off your debt. You, do, you, you made it. You pay it off. Oh, I, now I'm not saying all debt is wrong, but if you cannot liquidate your assets to pay off that debt, it's not a lawful debt. We're a servant to the lender. Are we available to go when he asks us to go, or are we too involved that we have to say, God, I can't do it? He obeyed immediately. One of my heroes is a lady by the name of Darlene Rose. I mentioned him to Brother Ben. I mentioned him to the pastor. Darlene Rose was a 12-year-old little girl in Boone, Iowa, during a mission conference one day. The preacher preached as she was a part of the CMA, the old Christian Missionary Alliance, preached a missionary message. Little girl in the back, 12 years old, she raised her hand and said, God, I want to be a missionary. Everybody just kind of ignored it. Aw, isn't that sweet, little girl? By the way, she ended up being the first white woman to ever go into Iranjira, which is part of the Indonesia side of Papua New Guinea. She was captured by the Japanese in 1941, put in an interned in a prisoner of war camp. Her husband was died in the prisoner of war camp. She was tortured and, and just almost killed multiple times. Uh, Google it sometimes. You find it and get the testimony. It's a book called Evidence Not it'll bless your blesser if you've never heard of it before but as a 12 year old girl she said I'll go and her life has impacted folks all over the eyes at the house where I'm staying I love books I looked up and then have a book sitting there the covers torn off the front of it but it says uh, the book was some gave it all I read last night about John Birch now I'm reading about Betty somebody else I can't remember out of Chicago and I'm going wow Missionary stories. He obeyed immediately. The Great Commission is not a choice to consider. It's a command to obey. God never says, think about it. He says, do it. Number one, he was submissive to the call of God. Number two, he was sensitive to the Spirit of God. I mentioned this morning that God's Spirit speaks to our hearts at all times if we'll listen in. Gaza it was a, a desert place, but the chariots are going by. Philip's standing there. How's he going to know who to talk to? All of a sudden, the chariot goes by, and God says, there's your man. Go talk to him. The Spirit of God said, go. He took off. He was sensitive to the Spirit of God. You know how we get in an elevator sometimes, maybe the hospital? Nobody talks in an elevator. Huh? Has the Spirit of God ever said, why don't you witness them? Huh? Why don't you say something? By the way, Brother Ben and I were out to eat yesterday. Little girl said something to us about, oh, you're a missionary. I want to know. 
By the way, she and some friends were here this morning. You never know what God's going to do. Are we sensitive to the Spirit of God? Will you go to that McDonald's or Burger King or Starbucks? And God says, give them a testimony. Give them a track. You say, well, I can't talk for the Lord. You may not know Romans Roads or John's Highway, but you can tell them what Jesus did for you. Amen? Just simply tell them how you got saved. The personal testimony speaks volumes to people. Sensitive to the Spirit of God. One of my heroes is another man by the name of Garland Cofield. Garland Cofield was a missionary in Canada for years. He was a pilot. One time he was flying back in Canada. It was tremendous. He's over in Kenora areas where we do Norwick. Our brother goes to Canada sometimes over there. At Camp of the Woods. He would fly his plane, but it gets so cold in the winter, he would fly out and land his plane on an ice lake. One time he was coming back. The story's told he's coming back, and a storm was brewing. He knew he had to get on the ground, but he couldn't find an opening in the clouds. Finally, there was almost like a hole in the opening. He saw that. He dropped the plane down, landed on a, 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 an iced lake. There was a little cabin off to the side. They thought it was an empty, like a summer cabin or something like that. They got out, he and another guy, they got out of the plane, they tied it down, they ran inside the cabin, and lo and behold, there was an old, old Indian lady in that cabin. Oh, they were so embarrassed. They had busted in thinking, well, we'll just show up here. We can weather out the storm. And God's Holy Spirit said to him, Garland, witness to her. He said, Lord, I've just barged into her house. I've just, just come in. I, I, I'm embarrassed of all what's going on. God said, witness to her. Well, Garland Cofield turned to her and told her, I'm a missionary, and I just want to tell you something. I had to know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? This ancient native woman, tears started to go down through the wrinkles of her face and down her face. And she said, when I was a little girl, Missionaries came to my village, talked about this man, Jesus, but I didn't know who he was. And I've always wanted to know how I could have my sins forgiven and I could go to heaven one day. God put a storm and put a hole in it so Garland Cofield could land there and share the Jesus Christ with her. When I was a young youth pastor, or a pastor, we took our children to the Bill Rice Ranch down in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We drive from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It's about a four-hour drive, maybe five, up to Murfreesboro, up to the camp. And uh, we, my wife, I would drop her off in Birmingham sometimes to visit her family. And I'd drive the three on hours on north of there. One time I got to church. We went to Glen Iris where she was from. We dropped her off at her family got our bags out of the car or the bus. We took on off to Bill Rice Ranch. We got settled in there, got into our cabins on Sunday night. Dr. Bill got up and said, Alan Brooks, could you see me after the service, please? I thought, oh no, what's happened? What have I done now, you know? And he called me up and he said, you need to call your wife as soon as possible. I thought, oh, we had a little girl at that time. I thought, something's happened. I need to hurry. And so I ran, got, well, this is the day before cell phones, okay? And so I had to get the pay phone caller real quick. And I, I called her up and I said, Donna, is everything okay? She said, yeah, 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 fine. Have you unpacked yet? I said, no. She said, you're going to look funny in culottes this week. <laughs> I said, what do you mean? She said, you took my bag and I have your bag. I said, you're kidding me. And, and I, mean, I was three hours away. It's nighttime. I'd driven all day and preached and so forth. I thought, you've got to be kidding me. 
Oh, I was upset. I said, Lord, why'd you allow this to happen? I said, I'll get all the kids in the cabin, get them settled down. I'll tell Dr. Bill, I've got to drive back to Birmingham. We'll switch suitcases. And, and I said, no, I'll, I'll drive back up here. So I'm driving down from Highway 65, Interstate 65 down. You come to a place called Coleman, Alabama. It's the northern part. You go for Huntsville, then you go to Coleman, Alabama. That time there were three exits in Coleman. I'm kind of tight, too. I think I have some Jewish blood in me. I pulled off, and the gas was too expensive. Now, that's an oxymoron now, okay? <coughs> it's always too expensive now. <coughs> but I, uh, I wouldn't get gas in the first one. I knew I was about to run out, and I went to the second one, and it was higher than the first one. I said, I, can't, I won't pay that. So I got back on the interstate, and I said, man, I'll never make it to Birmingham. I've got to stop and get some fuel. So I pulled off of the third exit. The guy was just about to close the mobile station. I pulled up and I said, hey, friend, is it okay? Can I get, get some fuel before we go? He said, yeah, go ahead. About that time, a car pulled up, had Illinois plates on it. I grew up in Illinois. I'm always looking for excuses to witness to people. I turned around and said, hey, where are you from in Illinois? Chicago. I should have known that. But anyway, he said, Chicago. And so I'm pumping my gas and I said, let me tell you something. And the Holy Spirit said, witness to him. I said, Lord, I'm not even right with you right now. I'm still upset about what I have to do. And he said, no, you need to witness to, to him. I don't want to witness to him, Lord. I can't tell him of the joy of the Lord when I do not have it right now. All right. I'm driving six hours because my wife took the wrong, you know, I always blame it on the, <laughs> it's the woman thou gave us me. But anyway, uh, but the Lord kept speaking to my heart about it. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll talk to her. I started witnessing to him. He said, can I get my son out? His son got out of the car. The man started to shut the lights off. I said, could you hold off on the lights just for a little bit? I'm talking to them. He said, yeah, go ahead. He stood there and listened beside. I took my Bible out, showed him how the word of God said he could know for sure he died and go to heaven. He and his son bowed their head, trusted Jesus Christ as their personal savior. I got back in my car and I said, God, I know why you let me come down this way. You wanted me to talk to. And I went down the rest of the way, banging on the outside, shouting and hollering, praising God for the privilege of just being you. Hey, it takes some effort. It's not always easy, but are we sensitive to the arrangements and to sensitive to the Holy Spirit? Then for, thirdly, he sent forth the word of God. He began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Friends, that tells me Philip, number one, knew the scripture. You cannot be a good witness for Christ if you don't study scripture. What you do with the Bible determines what God does with you. You set your Bible on the shelf and never read it, never use it. That's exactly where you're going to end up on the shelf, never being used. But if you'll take this book and make it a part of your life and live this book and use this book, God will use you. Philip knew the scriptures. Number two, he could explain the scriptures. He gave it the sense, as Ezra says back in the book of Ezra. And then he pointed him to Christ. I love to hunt. I'm not a good hunter. My son is a tremendous hunter. My grandson just got his first buck. He's 10 years old. Uh, my grandson in Montana, about 245 pound field dressed mule deer. Got a picture if you'd like to see it after church. But uh, uh, very proud of him. But uh, I, my fellow tried to take me hunting. 
I'm a kind of fidgety guy. I, I want to go take a magazine while I'm, you know, I want to read a book while I'm out there. And I know you can't do that and stuff. I used to try to put my earphones in and listen to something. Well, you can't hear deer if you're doing that. There's not much you can do when you're deer hunting. And when we deer hunted in Canada, it's 25 below and you're sitting up in a tree having fun, though. But anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> I would, I, the guy said, I'll sh I, I couldn't see the deer in the woods. Half the time, they, they just, I don't see them. And the fellow said, hey, you come with me. I'll show you how to see deer. Well, I'm sitting there. I'm watching every move he makes. And finally, he looked over at me, said, quit looking at me and look where I'm looking. <laughs> and you know what? If we're not careful, sometimes we're looking at the preacher and we're not looking to where he's looking. We're lifting up Jesus Christ. One of my heroes is a guy named E.V. Hill. He's in heaven now. He's a black preacher from California. Dr. E.V. Hill said he used to get in it. We had a little lady in our church. We called her Sister 1800. We have no idea how old she was, but she was ancient. She'd sit up on the front. We'd always have politicians and different people come into the church. You know how a black church will do. And one time they had Jesse Jackson come through and he wanted to say hello. He said, I didn't really want it, but my folks, we had to acknowledge he was there. And everybody started saying, Jesse, Jesse. And finally they, he said, no, no, no. They start saying, Jesus, Jesus. Well, he had one guy getting up to preach one time. He was preaching about politics, this and this and that and everything else. And little old sister 1800 off the side would say, get him up, get him up. And the preacher, he turned to E.V. Hill and said, well, what's she talking about? She said, get him up. He said, she's tired of listening to all this rest. You lift up Jesus. That's what she wants to hear right now. <laughs> Just get him up because he'll draw him in. Our job is to make him famous. It's not to make us. We're to brag on Jesus. We're to get him up. He pointed him to the Jesus. He's the one with nail scars in his hands. And then he urged him to obedience. Say, see, here's water what hindered me to be baptized. In 1832, four Indian chiefs, native chiefs, came from the Flathead Nez Pierce tribes all the way to St. Louis, Missouri. They came from Idaho, Washington State, all the way down to St. Louis, Missouri in 1832. They'd come a long journey of over 3,000 miles from the Oregon country because some white man had said to them that there is a book from heaven. And when they'd met in their tribes in the council, the tribes had picked these four chiefs to travel east to try to bring them the book from heaven. The Indians came to the superintendent of Indian affairs Mr. William Clark of the old Lewis and Clark expedition. He told them he knew about the Bible and then he took them on a tour of St. Louis thinking that would impress them. But the Indians only wanted the book the, and, and a preacher to explain it. Before long, two of the Indians died of illnesses that they were not immune to. And when it time came, came time for the two remaining ones to go home, General Clark honored them with an elaborate banquet where one of the Indians stood and said, this is a quote, my people sent me to get the white man's book from heaven. You took me to where you allow your women to dance as we do not ours, and the book was not there. You took me to where they worship the great spirit with many candles, but the book was not there. You showed me images of good spirits and pictures of a good land and beyond, but the book was not among them. I'm going back the long, sad trail to my people in the dark land. You make my feet heavy 
with burdens of gifts. My moccasins will grow old in carrying them, but the book is not in them. When I tell my poor blind people, after one more snow in the big council that I did not bring the book, no word will be spoken by our old men, and our young braves will all, one by one, rise up and go out in silence. My people will die in darkness, and they will go on the long path to the other hunting grounds. No white man will go with them, no white man's book to make the way plain. I have no more words, and they left. In 1833, George Catlin, he's a noted American Western painter, met two Indian chiefs along the Missouri River. He painted their picture, and he sat and talked to them. Sometime later, he had heard why they had gone to St. Louis. Doubting the story, he went to see General Clark, who answered, quote, the story is true. That was the only object of their, vig their visit. And on receiving this response, George Catlin told his friends, publish it throughout the world. Have you ever thought if those Indian chiefs had gotten the book and somebody to explain it, what the American West would have been like, it would have been different, wouldn't it? If they'd have known the Lord and known what, they were hungry at one time. The harvest is available at certain times and it can make an impact. But if we ignore it, the harvest will close. The harvest is past and we are not saved. I've often wondered, where are the Phillips? In Papua New Guinea and Fiji, Solomon Islands, there's a whole lot of Melanesian black folks that got copies of it. But we need Phillips to help them understand it, to teach them the word. Would you bow with me in prayer? Father, I know I've gone longer than I should, and I forgive me, dear Lord. I pray that you'd bless this message. Speak to hearts. God, help us to be submissive to the call of God. Help us to be sensitive to the Spirit of God and help us to send forth the Word of God. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Pastor, you come, please. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklay.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.